Welcome to the first broadcast of Reality Pop, your daily dose of reality television recaps. My name's Keith Brooks. Some of you may know me from doing a YouTube channel on 90 Day Fiancé, but I've been running around the world lately and been locked up for the COVID. But I've been reviewing other shows lately, like uh, Lost Gold of World War II, Extinct or Alive, and I think there may be one or two, and there's another one coming out on the wet markets uh, from Extinct or Alive. I'll probably be doing that, and I'll probably be coming back to 90 Day Fiancé, which is starting on December 6th. One of the shows I'm reviewing is Lost Gold of World War II. This is going to be Season 3. Season 1 was actually called Lost Gold of World War II, Yamashita's Gold, but as I mentioned during the YouTube channel that Yamashita was actually only in the country for about three or four months prior to the end of the war. So the gold that was buried in the Philippines probably had nothing to do with him. And when he was tried for crimes against humanity, not one word of testimony was about gold. So it, season two just ended a few months ago, but they've just green-lighted for season three. In Season 3, these treasure hunters are going to Surigao to hunt for gold. Surigao is an island off the coast of Mindanao, northern Mindanao. I'd say like the northeastern part under Leyte. It's a tourist island, and it's up and coming. A lot of people are going to this island. So it's going to make a very interesting season. They're reportedly going to talk about a man named Santo Romano. Hopefully this season they'll talk about him. He's a man who died in the early 1970s, and he had $1.6 billion in his bank accounts. Santa Romano is a central figure to this gold story. That's right, $1.6 billion. $1 billion of it was in cash, and $600 million was in gold deposits. Gold at the time was about $230 an ounce, give or take. Today, that gold would be over $5 billion. No one knows where he got it from or how he got it. Speculation is he worked for the CIA, and he actually found gold that the Japanese buried. So they may also talk about Ben Morris and the Lieber group. Ben Morris is the man who reportedly received 175 maps, but he gave 172 to Ferdinand Marcos to see, but he never physically, Marcos never physically had the maps. And he received these maps from a Japanese prince, and he worked for the Japanese prince during World War II as a teenager. And reportedly the two went around the country burying gold. And he made his living after the war, taking people around the country and showing where the gold could have been buried. So this is the basic uh, basis of the show, where they are trying to find the locations of the gold. So each map represents a gold deposit, which could be in the tens of millions but some people are speculating billions, but that would be more gold than has ever been produced. So I would say each gold mine could have up to 10 or $20 million. So let me tell you about a little bit of the history of the show. It's believed that during the war, especially uh, during the Japanese occupation of the Philippines, the Japanese used the Philippines as a storage facility to house gold that they, the military, Japanese military stole from the other countries. Thailand, Singapore, and they bring it to Mindanao, they bring it to Manila, and they would house it there before they would actually send it up to China, through China, to Japan to help pay for the war. Japan, before World War II, was very poor. 
They only received, I believe, the Northern Mariana Islands from Germany after the war. They didn't have any money, and the country was actually very poor, and the people were starving. It was so bad that the Japanese military actually revolted against the emperor, which was a very big taboo. And General Yamashita actually stood up to the Japanese officers and told them, Emperor and Tojo, not to go harsh on them. So he was not in good favor with the military and the emperor. But during the war, he actually was the general who captured Singapore for the Japanese. In 19, around 1974, a man named Robert Curtis went into the Las Vegas Sun. It's a newspaper out of Las Vegas, and he told a story of how he was hired by Ferdinand Marcos to come to the Philippines and mine gold, and that he saw the 172 maps. He also had Polaroid pictures of the maps, and he burnt the originals. Remember that, he burnt the original maps. He has Polaroids of the original maps. He told a story about how the Japanese stole the gold. He was hired by Marcos to come read the maps and try to locate it. And he said Marcos found about 12 to 26 locations. And every time they would find a location, Marcos said, don't do it. Go find another one. He truly believes that Marcos actually would take the place that he found the gold, recover the gold, and he got nothing. So, on July 4th, he was sent, taken to the U.S. military cemetery in Manila and by General Ver, which was the right-hand man and the military commander in the Philippines. And he was told that he was going to be executed. But he told Ver that if he was executed, he would not be able to find any more gold. And he did a lot of very quick talking. During this time, another colonel came by, and they were very upset because they could not find 172 maps. So they let him go. He went to his hotel, he burnt the maps, and then he left the country immediately. When he got on the plane, the Philippine military stopped the plane from leaving and got on and tried to pull him off. But he said he was already cleared customs, and it was a U.S. vessel, and that they could not take him. So they let him go. The hunt for this gold has gone on for a long time. A lot of people don't believe it, but back in 1971, a man named Roger Rojas was part of a treasure hunting group in Baguio, which is in the northern part of the country. He and two other Filipinos, one was a half Filipino and half Japanese, whose father was in the Japanese military, and he gave him a map. They found a golden Buddha statue, about three feet tall, weighed about 872 pounds, and 1,800 bars of gold. And so they took the Buddha statue and some gold bars to Rojas' house. He tried to sell the golden Buddha to several people, treasure hunters, anybody he could get, in order to obtain money to be able to get the other 1,800 bars of gold. One of the men who who he invited over the house, worked for Fernandez Marcos. The judge in Baguio at the time was Fernandez Marcos's uncle, and he refused to allow the, how would I would say it, when you find gold, you have to report it to the government. 
So he refused to meet him so he could not report the gold to the government. So after the informant for Marcos came to the house, another guy came. He was a U.S. military guy, Robert Cheatham, and he was from Las Vegas. And he was in the army at the time, and he took pictures of the Golden Buddha statue and Roger Rojas. And he sent the pictures to a treasure hunting company or friends in the United States to see if they were interested in purchasing it. A few days later, Marcos had the NBI, which is the like the federal marshal of the United States, come in and steal the Buddha statue, the coin collection, the gold bars, everything in the house that was valuable. The international press finally found out about this because the treasure hunting group went and told the media. So people came to the Philippines to see what the Golden Buddha and hear about the treasure. Well, Roger Rojas said it was stolen by the president of the Philippines. Now, Marcos was very embarrassed by this, so he offered to give him the statue back if he'd just come to the courthouse and claim it. Well, he went to the courthouse... The press was there, uh, Philippine senators were there, and it was a fake Buddha statue. It was a lead-based Buddha statue. It was gold-plated, and the gold plate actually was more copper than it was. And now, if you see the statue now, the gold has rubbed off on the forehead, I mean, on the top of the head and some other places. Roger Rojas was arrested by the Marcos and tortured to find out where the last part, part of the gold was the 1800 bars and he never told he escaped prison several times and i think he actually served like two or three years in the in the prison because of a trumped up charge on having a gun in his house so fernandez marcos actually stole it it was worldwide news that marcos stole it so marcos then said he made all his money from Yamashita's gold, and he did not need to be paid by the Philippine people anymore. He thanked him. And about one year later, year and a half later, 1972, Marcos declared martial law. There's a very interesting thing about 1972 was in 1972, Marcos declared martial law. In 1972, the Laurel Langley Agreement ended. The Laurel Langley Agreement ended and said that all businesses in the Philippines had to be 51% Philippine shareholders. So Marcos now became a 51% shareholder in a lot of businesses. Basically, uh, let me just put it this way. Philippine Airlines, Asia Brewery, which did all the beer, San Miguel beer, and uh, the other drinks were all partly owned by Marcos. So they were giving him upwards of $10 million per year back in the 1970s. His vice president was a man named Lopez, which was one of the richest men in the Philippines at the time. When Marcos declared martial law, he terminated the vice presidential position. And so there was only a president in the Philippines, which was Ferdinand Marcos. When his uh, death Amelda may have become president. Lopez actually owned Manila Power. Because it was 100% Philippine-owned, Marcos could not obtain the ownership or part ownership of the Manila Power. So what he did was he kidnapped the son of Lopez 
And he told him, if you want your son back, you will sell me Manila Power. And so they made an agreement. Marcos gave them $100 down payment. But in the meantime, the son actually escaped prison or is kidnapped in prison. Marcos, the, the transfer came through. Marcos did not pay the rest of it. So for $100, he stole Manila Power. After the revolution, the Lopez family got the power plant back. Also in 1972, one of the presidential cabinet members was supposedly assassinated or had an assassination attempt on him, which caused Marcos to say, this is why I'm causing martial, declaring martial law. Ferdinand Marcos' term ended in late 1972. That meant he could no longer be president because it was only a one year, a one term, six year for the Philippine president. So he declared martial law and declared himself president for life. At the same time, he told Benigno Aquino, you need to leave. the. Oh, he arrested him first, then he exiled him. So when he let him come back several years later, he had him killed on the tarmac, which caused the revolution. This is the story of how Ferdinand Marcos manipulated people and had a whole bunch of scams going in order to create a false gold story. Now, I'm not saying it's 100% false. There are gold or there are gold mines in the Philippines. In 1972, when the Laurel Langley Agreement ended, Ferdinand Marcos actually obtain ownership or majority ownership of all the gold mines in the Philippines. He signed executive orders saying all gold had to be sold to the Philippine government and the president and the central bank could sell the gold to anyone at any time for any price without notification of Congress or the Philippine Senate. In 1942, when the USS Trout took the Philippine gold deposits out of the country, they only had 12 tons of gold. That went to Hawaii, maybe to the United States, but it was returned after the war. When Ferdinand Marcos left office in 1986, he, or the Philippine government, only had 12 tons of gold. Seven tons of gold was stolen, and Ferdinand Marcos had $1 billion worth of gold bonds on him that was confiscated by the U.S. government. And later on, he was told, it was reported by one of his uh, associates that he had another $350 million worth of gold. This is how the story goes. When you start peeling onions, you get another layer. So one layer after another layer after another layer. So this will be the first episode, and I will try and get another episode up next week. All right. Thank you, everybody.